radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Tuesday morning. How we feeling? Good, I hope. Coming up today, we're going to have Jay Walker in studio in the 8 o'clock hour. Looking forward to chatting with Jay Bird before he takes off for Houston and a week-long road trip with Raging Cajun Baseball. They're at Rice tonight and tomorrow. Uh, 6 o'clock pregame tonight, 6.30 first pitch. Same for tomorrow. And then Three against Texas State this weekend. We'll talk uh, college baseball, RPI, among other things. We'll have Terrible Tune Tuesday. Going to talk NBA playoffs in the latter portion of this hour. Last night's games, Boston, Milwaukee, Memphis, and Golden State. Ian Ozan will join me for about 10 minutes, in about 10 minutes, to go over what happened with him in the uh, press box where he was not on Saturday. I won't say kicked out of the press box, but just... Asks to go call a game outside. We'll get into that. Talk a little UL softball and upsets. Upsets in the world of sports because that 80 to 1 upset, I know I hit on a lot yesterday, but it just, it kind of got me on an upset kick in sports. You know, Rich Strike winning the Kentucky Derby the way he did. You think about great upsets. I mean, we mentioned, you know, Tyson, Buster Douglas, getting him, knocking him out in Japan, 42 to 1 odds. But if you start looking around at 80 to 1 odds, right now, what can you bet on at 80 to 1 odds? Lamar Jackson plus 8,000 to win the NFL rushing title. Now, it's worth noting that in uh, 2019, he was plus 8,000 to win the MVP. Huh? It happened. Plus 8,000 to win the rushing title in 2022? 80 to 1. Will it happen? Yeah. Josh Hader to Young. Right now, 80 to 1. I was visiting with Ted Scott last week, the caddy for Scotty Scheffler, who was a longtime caddy for Bubba Watson. And he, he shared some insight into working with Bubba. And, you know, Bubba never even plays golf unless he's playing at a tournament. He doesn't really practice, he just gets out there and goes and. Incredible talent, the mental aspect of it for Bubba. Bubba Watson right now, he's won two Masters Championships, 2012 and 2014. Ted Scott was on the bag. Right now, 2023 Masters, Bubba Watson, 80 to 1. What about the Super Bowl? Super Bowl odds. Plus 8,000, the Seattle Seahawks. Plus 8,000, the Chicago Bears. Would you put money on that? I wouldn't. Would you put money on any of those? I wouldn't. Did you put money on Rich Strike? No, you didn't. Neither did I. Why would you? But when that underdog hits, bam. I mean, look, the, the obvious, when you talk about biggest upsets, the obvious ones that come to mind is, do you believe in miracles, miracle on ice? Mention it, Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson. 
I mean, most people saw it as just a routine win for Tyson. Started at, at, at you know, I think it was, I think it was forty-two to one officially. Some some sites will tell you it was fifty. When it was forty-two to one, just knocked his lights out. Wins the world title. Patriots falling to the Giants, going for nineteen and zero. Two touchdown favorites in the Super Bowl. Nope. Leicester winning the Premier League is to this day one of the. I mean, you just. 5,000 to 1 odds to win the Premier League, and they did it in 2016. Now, that's not big here. It's big, big bigger story overseas, but I'm just telling you. You talk about beating clubs that ha- were 100 times richer, higher payrolls, bigger than them, all that stuff went on and won the championship. Now, I talked about Rich Strike being 80 to 1 and being the long the second longest odds ever to win the Kentucky Derby. 91 to 1 was the the winner, I don't even remember the horse's name, back in 1913. That's the, the longest odds ever in Kentucky Derby history. But the Sanford Memorial Stakes in the early 1900s. 100 to 1. A racehorse named Upset. That's on the list. Joe Namath Colts Baltimore Colts getting beat by Joe Namath and the Jets. Joe Namath has lived off of that game pretty much his entire life. He's made a career out of it. NC State beating Houston. I still can't believe Five Slamma Jamma never won a championship. Hakeem, the Dream, Clyde Drexler, all of them. They were 31-2, and two, dominating everybody, and NC State gets it. Sidney Lowe leads the Wolfpack on a big comeback late. Derek Winberg. Alley-oop to Lorenzo Charles, ball game. There have been some big ones. Something we are going to hit on a little bit today when the Davids beat the Goliaths, right? ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. 89 in a row. That was John Wooden's UCLA Bruins winning streak. 80 nine wins in a row. They were pretty pretty unbeatable. I mean, Lou Alcindor went on to be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, greatest college basketball player of all time. Back in the day when freshmen weren't allowed to, to, to play, they had to play on a freshman team, he was beating the best team in the country in scrimmage and in practice when he was a freshman, his own team, UCLA. But they had a stretch in the 70s where they were unbeatable. Early parts of the 70s, 80, 80, 89 in a row. Or was it 88 in a row? They were going for 89 in a row. That's what it was. 88 in a row. They go for 89. Take it on Notre Dame, 1974, and lose, 71-70. It's great, man. Chaminade beating Oklahoma, although, beating number 10 Virginia, rather, although that one wasn't on TV. Fresno State's run back in 08 to win the NCAA World Series as a four seed. They were the first ever four seed to get to the World Series at the time. Then they won the whole damn thing. They were 33 and 27 heading into the uh, NCAA tournament. Got in just because they won the whack. It's great, man. It's great. ESPN Lafayette. I love it. I love 
the upsets. We're going to talk more about that with Ian Ozan here in uh, in just a couple of minutes. Some of the great upsets ever. Yesterday, Nikolai Jokic named an MVP. Not an upset. But 28 years ago, when the Nuggets beat the Seahawks, first eight seed to advance in the NBA playoffs, it was a major upset. Came down from two games to nothing. Now, back then, it was a best of five. It was a best of five for a while. I think one of the reasons they changed it was Figured it'd be harder for an eight seed to beat it. They didn't want the one seeds getting taken down. That iconic shot of Dikembe Mutombo holding the ball. It was incredible, man. I love it. Love it. App State in the Sun Belt now. Remember in 2007? FCS school in the big house at number five Michigan to open the season and win it 34-32. The Wolverines were a 27-point favorite in that game, by the way. 27. More on upsets. We'll dig into that with Jay Walker as well in the 8 o'clock hour. Open phone lines after our next segment with Ian Ozan. We'll talk about last night's NBA playoff games and continue the upset train. It's all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN Lafayette, 103.3 on the FM 1420 on the AM and streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. What is the harshest condition to call a sporting event in as a play-by-play guy? Ian Ozan has had some challenging ones doing high school and college games over the years. We'll ask him that question. We'll talk upsets, little UL softball, and more. Open phone lines after that, talking NBA playoffs, upset specials. Jay Walker in the 8 o'clock hour. Terrible tune Tuesday and more. It's all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. This is the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Legit. It smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. While the team's giving all they got against the opponent, he's giving all he's got on the airwaves. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.
Welcome back into the great Scott show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports on a Tuesday. Coming up a little later this hour, we'll dig into last night's NBA playoff games. Jay Walker is scheduled to be in here in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk a lot of college baseball, a little softball as well, and Terrible Tune Tuesday. Here to talk a little softball and upsets is our friend Ian Ozan. You know him from Newstalk 96.5 KPL in the morning, and of course, on the call for plenty of Raging Cajun events, including a lot of UL softball this season. Most recently, uh, the 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 ending regular season ending sweep in Monroe against ULM. First off, Ian, I know um, you are uh, coming to us from a distance this morning, but right over some nice equipment we have. So it sounds like you're just right here in studio, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. I may not be there, but I'm there, if that makes any sense. That's the beauty of having the equipment that we use for Raging Cajun softball and some of the other sporting events is that it sounds like I'm sitting right across from you like we normally would be. Well, it, what, you know, of course, you're really comfortable right now while you talk to me. What What is, I guess, the, the most, in, in your years of doing play-by-play, what is the most difficult uh, venue or environment you've had to call a game in and could this past weekend at least uh, on Saturday be in that number considering what what you guys had to do in Monroe not even close the two worst all had to do with cold weather the number one I doubt anything will ever top it is the Oklahoma tournament that the Cajuns played in three years ago 2019 Bobby and I were outside it was sub-freezing the entire time. The warmest it got was 30 degrees. When we started that morning, it was 27. Wind chills about 5, 6 degrees cooler than that. At one point, a foul ball went off the netting and shattered icicles off and had them crashing to the ground. Uh, Bobby had a, had a space heater that he plugged into the surge protector. Top of the second inning, the surge protector tripped. Apparently, the the... I want to call it an air fryer. It's not an air fryer. The space heater uh, tripped the circuit. So we got knocked off air for a half an inning until we figured out what was going on. Thankfully, the next day, Oklahoma said, yeah, we're not doing this again. They canceled the rest of the tournament because of the miserable conditions. The next worst was at Franklin Field, uh, Princeton uh, Princeton Penn football in 2008 or 2009. I forget the year. But Franklin Field still to this day has an open air press box. It's really an an underhang under the, the top deck. And you are exposed to the elements. The good news is you have a little bit of protection from the wind, but you still have to bundle up. A historic venue, but not exactly one of the best to call sports. Uh, This weekend, it was warm. Uh, The heat index got to about 90 degrees. But all in all, it wasn't bad. They gave us a tent, which I'm grateful for. And the Alumni Association and some of the student workers came. They gave us a tent. They lowered it because some of the fans were complaining they couldn't see over the tent. And when they lowered the tent, not only did it help the visibility for the fans, it actually blocked out more of the sun. So for me, anyway, I was I was better. I was a little bit more comfortable. Bobby, I'm not sure about. But uh, it was it was a bad scenario that actually turned into something that, was better than what either Bobby or I could have expected because how often do you get the head coach of a softball team walking over and say, hey, I can do an inning with you? Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, it's not a <laughs> – I don't know. That might have been unprecedented. Um, but the Gajans, let's let's focus on uh, what they're doing heading into the tournament. Uh, Stormy Kotzelnik, you know, I, I asking Coach about her yesterday, um, learned a little bit about her off the diamond, really good stuff, but – 
you know, they're, I asked them about the home runs, right? Uh, they've, they've, they matched the most ever in a Glasgow era was 70. I'm sure there are more to come, but he said, really, it just depends on the lineup week to week. We could have a power lineup all the time if we wanted, but you know, we've had to tinker the lineup a ton for health reasons. Sometimes it's a give and take, right? You have a power lineup. What does that do to your fielding? All that stuff. He said, he's not really worried about that. He just, he just wants to win. Doesn't matter if it's slap hitting or hitting homers or somewhere in between or everything in between. This team is going to be in a regional, Ian, but what's the mindset in your mind for a team that knows they're playing beyond this week, still wants to win the conference? You know, Coach told me yesterday, if I get told the player's healthy enough to play, I'm playing him. I'm not overthinking it. I'm not thinking, well, let's let him rest a little bit more for the next week. It's it's not uncharted territory for UL. They've been in this situation a lot. But it's not like they're going to improve where they're going to. I mean, they're going to be probably a two seed. I don't think that changes with what happens this week. So what do you think their approach should be heading into the conference tournament? The approach is just win, baby. They're the tied their season-long win streak of nine games. Keep in mind that a nine the previous nine-game win streak was right before this one. They lost the game against, why am I drawing a blank here? They lost the first game to App State, State. which snapped the first nine-game win streak. So if you look at it, they've won 18 of their last 19. If they win four straight, they'll have won 23 of 24. They'll have a 13-game win streak going into the NCAA tournament. And while they may not be a one seed, the selection committee likes consistency, and they're going to like a team that has that kind of a run on its record going into the tournament. The Cajuns have gotten hot fast, but more importantly, they know how to win different types of games. You mentioned the power hitting and the home runs. Stormy Kotsnick with her home runs over the weekend. Alexa Langlier's had a great weekend at bat. But you look overall at what this team can do. They can beat you with the power, but they can also beat you in the circle. They've won a couple of pitcher's duels already in conference play. A one nothing game at Texas State. They also lost a pitcher's duel against Texas State. Uh, they beat uh, Illinois in a game that turned out to be a pitcher's duel. Four to two in eight innings. So the Cajuns can beat you in the circle. They can beat you at the plate. But they can also beat you from bell to bell or from coming from behind. We saw them lead wire to wire against ULM on Friday night. And in the two games on Saturday, 10-3 victories, they had to come from behind. Scoring five or more runs in the fourth inning in both of those games on Saturday. In fact, scored five or more runs in all three games over the course of the weekend. And then you look at the second game, they scored nine runs between the fourth and fifth innings. So Louisiana can beat you whether they're playing from behind or whether they're playing from ahead. But for Louisiana, they can't get comfortable. They can't get complacent. I think they were a little bit too loose in the second game on Saturday against ULM. Gave up a three-run home run early, and that woke them up and got them back into the mindset, hey, we can't slack off here. They can't afford to do that in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, whether it's in the first game against either ULM or Coastal Carolina. We'll find out later who wins that game and who the Cajuns play tomorrow. But they can't do that going uh, ahead, especially when they face off against the Texas States or the Coastal Carolinas, because those will, or excuse me, the Texas States or the South Alabamas, those will be the teams that give Louisiana the biggest trouble as they go forward, because really and truly the top four in the conference are evenly matched. ESPN Lafayette, Ian Ozan, our guest. Um, stock upsets. 80 to 1 on Saturday at the Kentucky Derby. Uh, rich strike. Just. In, so many reasons I got into yesterday. Uh, Buster Douglas was forty-two to one, right? Yeah. And that, I mean, eighty to one. You hadn't had longer odds in the history of the Kentucky Derby except one time, and it was a hundred and nine years ago. It's been a minute. Uh, late, late edition due to a number of scratches and people that couldn't go gets in. 
just comes out of absolutely nowhere. Nowhere. And got me thinking about upsets. In your mind, what are, what are a few of the biggest upsets in the history of sports? And I know maybe some folks don't look at horse racing the same way they look at boxing or, or MMA or a team sport, right? I get it. But if, that, that was one of the biggest upsets of all time over the weekend, in my opinion. It was. And the fact that he had maybe a day and a half to prepare... And the horse's owner said, we would not have entered him into the race if we didn't think Rich Strike could win. And boy, they were the only ones who thought he could win. <laughs> Even the announcer, I forget his name, uh, who called the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. You listen back Larry at that Cole. call and you hear, you hear the excitement and the bewilderment in his let's, voice. Let's listen right now. You know, I have, the, I have at least, I, I'm not going to play the whole thing. Let's just listen to like the last 20 seconds. It's great. Colmus, NBC Sports, uh, you know how hard play-by-play can be. I can't imagine doing thoroughbred racing, especially the Kentucky Derby. But, no, man, that's a that's a great call. And we, it sounds like he's at his highest octave, and then he gets even louder and more excited when Rich Strike comes out of nowhere. But I can't blame him. The only call that is remotely similar to one I can think of that's similar to that, Jim Lampley, when George Foreman knocked out Michael Moore in November of 1994. It happened. It happened, and he went up a couple of octaves, and and that was, and even though uh, George Foreman in that fight, I think was only a two to one uh, underdog, it, it a forty five year old man beating someone half his age to win the world heavyweight championship. I think that goes as one of the biggest upsets in sports. You mentioned uh, James Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson back in nineteen ninety. That one, the without question, uh, for me is the biggest upset in sports before Rich Strike happened. But to see that moment, I, we were driving back from Monroe when the race happened. So we listened to the call and to hear Larry Colmus give that blow by blow. And the last 10 seconds when Rich Strike comes through and he pauses and you, you can tell he's thinking to himself, did this just happen? Did this just happen? And now Rich Strike is going to be the darling going into the Preakness in a couple of weeks and the question is, can he sustain it? Can he keep going and become yet another probably not. Uh, horse Pro- racing pro- legend? Probably not, but no, he doesn't even have to. He's a legend forever now. You yeah, know? you're right. I mean, He'll the, have a movie made on him. He by could go, let, him, let him go to Vegas and get wild and uh, just stud for the rest of his life. He's, <laughs> that, that rich strike, man. It's Because, uh, look, Mind That Bird in 2014 was incredible. I mean, they made a movie about it. It's Calvin Burrell was, was the jockey. Everyone around here knows Calvin. It was 50 to 1, right? Like, how did that happen? 80 to 1. That is still astronomically great. You mentioned the great Jim Lampley. So uh, the uh, the HBO Sports back in the day ninety four his call when George Foreman uh, and Michael Moore as uh, as Lampley famously screamed as Ian just referenced it happened it happened Atlas here we go again with the Atlas uh, Michael Moore is that. I can't believe it. 
Yeah, and uh, and then Foreman went on to make uh, millions and millions more with the uh, George Foreman Grill. So yes, he did, and and you know what, George George Foreman, Mister. Uh, Mr. Personality in his first run had no personality whatsoever. Comes back gregarious, world heavyweight champion, and lean, green, uh, lean, mean grilling machine maker. I, I give George Foreman credit. He is the the king of reinvention. I mean, shout out the, the man, seventy three, still going strong. He uh, he's been such a huge part of some of the biggest moments in boxing history, whether it be on the losing side with the great Ali, whether it be it happened, it happened with Michael Moore, which isn't as big as, you know, the thrill in Manila and stuff like that. But he, um, you know, I mean, think about it. Frazier, right? The Sunshine Showdown uh, against Ken Norton, the Caracas Caracas Caper, the Rumble in the Jungle, uh, Foreman versus Ali. And that's the one I was was referencing earlier. I meant to say say Rumble in the Jungle. Um, But, yeah, it just, I mean... His comebacks, right? The, uh, Frazier, Foreman, too. All of it, man. Just he—he he had multiple comebacks. He faced Holyfield, Morrison. I mean, there's there's a bunch of others we hadn't even brought up yet. But a couple of retirements in, in traditional boxing fashion. Um, had a sitcom that aired for one season that was about George Foreman's life, and he starred in it. I think uh, maybe Charles S. Dutton was in it too, but he was. Um, he was. I feel like we don't talk about the guy enough, and how unlikely his whole, you know, just his, his whole career was. It's crazy. No, he's a guy who walked away from boxing in 1977, I think it was, after he had a near-death experience after fighting in Puerto Rico. Went into the locker room, thought he was having a heart attack, thought he was dying, and he said, "Lord, I will give my life to you if you let me live." That's why he retired, became a minister, because he promised to the Lord that he would serve Him if he was given a chance to live. Decided to come back 10 years later, uh, beat up a bunch of nobodies, got a fight with Evander Holyfield for the world title in 91, and went the distance. And even though he lost unanimous decision, impressed people. Got a couple more shots. You mentioned the Tommy Morrison, the, yeah, the Tommy Morrison fight. Uh, lost to him, got his last shot, against, last shot against Michael Moore, and it happened. After that goes on, has a, defends the lineal title for another three years, lost to Shannon Briggs. And the best part about the interview after uh, losing to Shannon Briggs, he says, you know what? This is done. Go out and buy my lean green mill- lean, lean grilling machine. Say that three times fast. That's right. Uh, he, he was always a great promoter. Uh, he sold mufflers and brakes, I think, from Meineke for a while. Or was mm-hmm. it Midas? One of them. Midas. Uh, with, his, with his four sons, George, 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 and George. Yeah, and and the the rumble in the jungle from the move the documentary once when we were kings is, I think one of the best sports movies ever. Uh, and yes, I again to be clear, I know that Ali Frazier was thrilling Manila. I was referencing rumble in the jungle, but um, he uh, didn't think we'd get on a George Foreman kick today. But that's and by the way, I looked it up the uh, the the sitcom George. He played himself, uh, where he played a, 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 a you know fictionalized ver- kind of himself American sitcom called George. He was George Foster. And uh, it lasted 10 episodes, and Tony Danza was co-producer of the series. And this is the kind of random trivia that uh, Ian and I are into, and no one else really gives a bleep about. Let's be Was that on Fox, or was that UPN? What network was that? ABC. Really? Yep, November of 93, and was canceled uh, about two months later, 10 weeks later, give or take. Well, of course, at that point, he had just won the world championship. Who needs to do a sitcom when you have the world title? Well, he was, like you said, he did it all. Man started the lead in a sitcom, ads for Midas, of course, the George Foreman Grill, uh, plenty of titles, and 
You know, legend still kicking it at seventy three. Shout out George Foreman. Um, yes, indeed. All right, before we let you go, Ian, give us one more major upset from a team sport that immediately comes to your mind when you hear the word upset. One more upset that immediately comes to mind, New York Jets over the Baltimore Colts Super Bowl three. That's the first one that comes to mind. If you want to call this an upset, because I think on paper it was, and New Orleans Saints beating the Colts in Super Bowl forty four, uh, especially with the way the game started. Then you get ambushed. The Saints come back. The pick six at the end of the game. Uh, I, again, I don't know if statistically it was an upset, but I'd like really, to think that yeah. the Saints were the underdog. And well, I mean, they were, they were a betting underdog, but not a, not a huge one. I think the Colts were a five-point favorite going into the game. Um, you know, it ain't no, uh, <laughs> it's, it's no 81 to one odds of one, uh, 80 to one odds of one, uh, strike, uh, rich strike. strike. So yeah, but, uh, good stuff, Ian. I appreciate it, man. Um, when are you taking off for mobile? We are taking off a little bit later on today. Uh, as this runs, uh, I'm, I'm doing the old two stations, one time bit. So once I'm off the air completely today, we'll drive over to Mobile, uh, get set up there, and tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, pregame 945, right here on ESPN Lafayette. Uh, Bobby Navone and I will be on the air and in the beautiful air-conditioned press box at uh, the University of South Alabama. There you go. At IOZEN on Twitter, that's I-A-U-Z-E-N-N-E. Give them a follow if you're not already. And uh, he and Bobby have the call 10 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, winner of ULM and Coastal Carolina will take on Louisiana. And if the Cajuns continue to win, it'll be 10 a.m. Thursday, 10 a.m. Friday, and then conference championship game Saturday. But they want to do that. They don't want to go through the loser's bracket via double elimination. They want to just keep on rolling and roll into the regionals. Appreciate the time, my friend. All the best. Good talking upsets with you. And we'll be listening to you on our airwaves early tomorrow morning. Sounds good, brother. Pleasure's all mine. Thanks again. You got it. That is Ian Ozan. When we come back, more of your thoughts on some of the biggest upsets ever in the history of sports. We'll get into emails, your phone calls at 337-269-1077. Jay Walker in studio in the 8 o'clock hour. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues after this. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Into the great Scott show on a Tuesday. Lines are lit up. Five lines lit up. Hang tight. We'll get to all your phone calls. I'm Scott Prather talking about upsets on a Tuesday. Jay Walker scheduled to come in at 8 o'clock. Let's head to the phone lines right now. We got my man Bobby Nova on line one. Good morning, Bobby. How are you, my friend? Hey, Bobby. Good morning, man. Welcome into the show. What's up? Good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. What you got? I caught the end of Ian's interview, so I don't know if he mentioned this. My favorite, I don't know if it's 
it is one of the biggest upsets of all times in my mind because in 2008, the first game of the Women's College World Series, Florida was 71-3, and the number one seed, and the Cajuns went in there and, uh, and beat them 3-2 to two in eight innings. So that's my favorite for sure. It was it was a great time. game. I remember that one. Now, who uh, you you know the softball team well? Who was the catcher that used the glove that she bought at Home Depot? Atlanta Bowers. That was it. Yep, Atlanta Bowers. <laughs> ESPN loved that man. They they went back to that story. They drew they drew from that well pretty much the entire World Series when the Cajuns were in it. But no, that was a great team. Had your uh, your favorite player Ashley Brignac on it. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Uh, she's definitely one of my all-time favorites. I know, I know. Appreciate it, Bobby. I know you don't believe that. But <laughs> I know you don't believe that. But I do. Steve doesn't. I believe it. That's Steve that said that to you. You never know what Steve believes. That's but correct. Anyway, that's correct. That's my favorite all-time upset. Thank you, Bobby. All right, buddy. All right, let's keep it going. Good morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Hello. Yeah, man. The crazy thing about um. You know, talking about George Foreman. Uh, every every time I, I think of Foreman, I think of going to my granddad's house and watching uh, USA Today. He used to fight. Remember USA had boxing? Like yes. Tuesday night. Yeah, Tuesday I don't remember what night it was, but yeah, that was that was like as I got a little older, it was the only place I could see boxing was on USA. Well, Monday night. I don't know what night. Like you it said, wasn't it wasn't Monday. Monday. They had night. wrestling on Monday, but it was it was. Yeah, but I think they had it before the wrestling. Gosh. I don't know, man. Someone can uh, uh, come in, but I remember him white, like like with inset, forty two years old, old, an older man, you know, fighting younger opponents. But the year was ninety four. He won the title in ninety four. I was a sophomore in uh, high school. I remember that. I think it was uh, sometimes late ninety four because uh, I think y'all was talking about a TV show. And uh, he said it came out. He said he was a champion in ninety three. No, he won the title in ninety four. There you go, ninety four. Um, well, yeah. He, he he when the show got canceled in ninety four he went and won the title but when it started I guess he wasn't champ yet but what a, what an interesting uh, I, uh, George George Foreman is part of a number of documentaries but not like the he deserves his own like I don't know I I think a documentary would be better than a a a biopic honestly because it's what just a fascinating guy honestly yeah um. I know it's not a sexy pick, you know, like Buster Douglas and um, Mike Tyson. What about Oliver McCall over Lennox Lewis? Um, that's I a good one. Me. I mean, that, that's a good one because, uh, I mean, no one remember like every no. I think the reason no one's thinking of it is everybody remembers Buster Douglas. I mean, I. I couldn't even remember Oliver McCall's name if you had asked me yeah. before you brought it up. What was the well, name? Of the, I think that pay per view was like a meltdown in the ring. Yeah, in the rematch. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, payback or playback. I think was when they. I remember their second fight, but um, well, yeah, McCall when he bit. I mean, Lennox Lewis was was amazing, but um, yeah, the old uh, McCall. Gosh, how long did that fight go? Because that was in '94 too, right? I mean, boxing had a big yeah. year in '94. Um, that fight went no more than two or three rounds, man. I, I don't know. Like I said, I can't re- recall like, right off the top, but it it didn't go long, man. 
That's wild, man. He kind of he got him. He got him with one, and he got you know. And that and guess what? Rockman with Lewis. I know that came later on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's a little bit different. But I don't know. Lewis at that time was at his height, you know. Um, boxing, man. Anyway, um, <laughs> you're gonna get me started on that, man. But um, yeah, man, I, I sent you some. I'm sure I don't know if you mentioned any of we, those. We admit, uh, yeah, App State, Michigan State. Um, Villanova, Georgetown didn't get brought up. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, UMBC beating Virginia, the 16th seed. It was an upset, but they they stomped them, you know. There's something weird about an upset I, is when hey, a team, like, when a team dominates a team, team when, they, when they went into huh? Denver. You're talking about the Jags when they went into yes. Denver in the playoffs? No, that was the 1997. Uh, yeah, the 1996 season. Yeah, you're right. That happened, uh, yeah, I think January 4th, January 6th, 1997. That's crazy, man. Mark Uh, Brunel was running around everywhere, and Denver had no answer for him. And it felt like one of those games where it was like, all right, at some point, Denver's just going to flip a switch. Because they were so dominant that whole regular season. Couldn't do it, man. Jacksonville. Because Denver Green Bay that year would have been the better Super Bowl, and they ended up playing, you know, um, uh, what two years yeah, later? Year. But yeah, the next year. It was just like, season. yeah, the next season. So I, but Jacksonville, Jacksonville and Carolina, these little expansion teams yeah. getting into the conference <laughs> championship game. I was like, on one hand, I, I I thought it was cool because it was some fresh blood, and there was just so much Denver, Dallas, and your usual suspects for years. But on the other, I was bitter. I'm like, dang man, I've been a Saints fan my whole life. They hadn't won a playoff game, and these teams have been here for two years, and now they're a win away from the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's um, it's it, you know what's so crazy, man. I'm, I'm thinking like the NBA is hard, man. When you think about the NBA, because that's a series. Like you said, I heard you mention the um, Nuggets and Sonics in '94, uh, '81. Um, but when you think about it, like what's considered an upset? If if the Warriors are up three-one against the Cavs in '16, and the Cavs come back and they win it, is that considered an upset? Like no right, like no. It's got to be the seed, and I mean, it, it's considered miraculous. I guess maybe that's too strong of a word. I mean, it's considered unlikely, but you don't look back to the Cavs. To, usually, in with the exception of Villanova and Georgetown, and I guess the Giants and the Patriots, most championship games don't get considered upsets because both teams usually deserve to be there. It just has to be one completely dominant team where the spread is really, really high for it to be considered a major upset. And it's hard to do in a championship game or even a series because both teams are usually really good. Well, thank you. Appreciate the call. ESPN Lafayette, welcome into the Great Scott Show. Good morning. Good morning, man. What's happening? You know, I was thinking about what y'all are saying just now about the, the Cavs games, but I don't know, man. I mean, I don't think anybody expected LeBron and them to win going into the series, and I think being down 3-1, no one expected them to win then. So wouldn't it be an upset in that fashion? I mean, I'm not, was, saying, I'm not saying it wasn't an upset. I'm, I'm just saying... It, it's not what you think of when you, you think about Right. I mean, I think there's a reason we don't immediately think about that one. You know, if, you, if I said yeah. championship upsets you're going to think about patriots giants you're going to think about villanova georgetown i think to 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 jay's point i mean in the nba 
it's tough in a series. You really, it's just, it's a, it's a seed thing, right? That's really what it comes yeah, down to. No, it's a seed you. thing. It's like, are you uh, an eight seed, and are you, you know, just not expected to do anything? Yeah. And did you win a whole series? Oh my God, you just, you know, Fresno State in the College World Series in no way. It was insane that they won the whole thing because it wasn't just a single game. They made an incredible yeah. run. I mean, if a seven or eight seed in the NBA went all the way and won the championship, I, th- that would be one of those things where you just remember it. You know, I think when it comes to series, you remember it, You were like like championships where you're having to go through a number of series, like in baseball or basketball, you remember the team more than a singular game. Now, if it's not a championship, yeah. then you might just remember the series, right? Like Denver, Seattle, 94. Um it's the, the 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 single game aspect of whether it be March Madness or football or boxing. Um, it brings it to I think a different level of just us mem- you know remembering it more, right? Yeah, I think I think your point. I think to your point, like if the Pelicans would have went all the way this year and beat Giannis oh, in the championship, God. coming from a playoff, that would be the greatest one of the greatest upsets. But I guess my my favorite my favorite. Uh, I mean, the, I think the greatest upset of all time is the Miracle on Ice. U.S. Yeah, over Russia. For sure. I think that has to be the greatest. But my favorite, which some people may not call it an upset, but I think it is, is when Dustin beat Conor McGregor and knocked him out. Because I guarantee you there wasn't a single person, maybe even including him, who thought he was going to knock out Conor McGregor. And him walking in that ring as an underdog, knocking that man out who had never been knocked out, was one of the best moments for me as a sports fan. So I think that would be my favorite one. The first go-around, anyway, it was, man, it was really this. cool. I appreciate it. Yeah, that first go-round between the two, it was awesome when he got in there. It Has it lost? I, I, I don't think it has, right? Someone might question whether, okay, seeing what Connor has done since then and taken beatings from Dustin and struggled, is it has it lost some of its luster in that no one knew yet just how he wasn't the fighter he used to be, or is Dustin responsible for putting him down that road? But, yeah, I say McGregor, Poirier won. It actually wasn't. They fought way back in, I don't know, 2015 maybe? Was it 2015 or 2014 when Conor was not – Conor was a relative unknown, certainly maybe not in the fighting world, but he he wasn't known globally. Uh, And then, you know, he he knocked out Dustin, and then he sort of ascended to the top of the fighting world. And then the two meet again years later, and Dustin gave it to him. Then they met again last summer, and Connor's sitting there with his kicks, getting all carried away, and breaks his leg, and Dustin gave it to him again. Dustin wants to fight. He made it clear in a social media post. Been teasing a lot. Right on social media has Lafayette's own Dustin Poirier. He said he's fighting someone this summer. He said, I'm fighting someone this summer. I'm better than these guys. As he's going off on Saturday night during the fight. Um, But yeah. Poirier's ready for it. Poirier's ready for it. Went on Instagram, said, I'm fighting somebody this summer. Could it be Chandler? Could it be maybe even Nate Diaz? Talk about a tantalizing opponent there. 
This is ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Shout out, D.C., Daniel Cormier, by the way, going into the UFC Hall of Fame. No brainer there. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. All right, uh, NBA playoffs last night, Celtics, Bucks, Al Horford. Turning back the clock. That looked like old Atlanta Hawks all-star Al Horford last night. Holy cow. Horford, it looked like he went to the Mushroom Kingdom and grabbed a couple of stars from Mario Brothers. All right, guy's going to be 36 in a few weeks. He was playing like he was 26. And the Bucks needed every ounce of it. Excuse me, the Bucks. The Celtics needed every ounce of it as they win on the road. Now it's tied 2-2, and you're in for a series. Now the Bucks are, are playing without Chris Middleton. And Drew Holiday just... Couldn't get it done last night. And I love Drew. 5 of 22? No. He he was great on defense, as he usually is. He had some good assists, but the guy couldn't buy a shot. 2 of 12 in the second half, 0 of 5 from the field in the fourth quarter. But then Boston feels like they let game three slip away. They felt like they had it late, had a bunch of bad shots, and Marcus Smart probably got fouled at the end. And when you are in a deep series like this, Right, game one and game two, not close. Game te- game three and game four, you're talking about one call here or there making the difference. This is big. And then your late game, Warriors, Grizzlies, no John ja Morant. And it changes everything for the Grizzlies. I Oh, well, they went 20 and five in the regular season without him. Cool. Cool. You want John ja Morant or you don't against the Warriors? Those 20 wins didn't come against the Warriors. And they missed them last night. Grizzlies missed six free throws in a game where they only attempted 15. 16 Warrior turnovers. How many points did Memphis get off of it? 11. You can't do that and win. You can't. Steph Curry, man. Took him a little while. Took him a long while. But in the fourth quarter, 18 points. Finally went off. Had a bunch of clutch free throws, and the Warriors came back, held on. And now they've taken a 3-1 lead, which feels... Yeah, I know we were referencing Cleveland earlier in the NBA Finals from years ago, but this feels different. And I would say that the Boston-Milwaukee game last night was... A lot more fun to watch than the late game. It really was just, I don't know. A lot, I, a lot of missed shots. I think they two teams shot 40% from the field. They weren't great from three-point range. One of the more forgettable games of the entire postseason, if we're being completely honest here. It was ugly. It was ugly. Kind of like my good friend Jay Walker. He will be, <laughs> he's giving me the look. He will be in studio with me next hour. We'll talk upsets. We'll chat about RPI, little college baseball, softball talk. We got terrible tune Tuesday. We're each bringing some new tunes to the TTT catalog. We'll have open phone lines as well. In the first and the last segments, don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. The Great Scott Show continues right after this.